1: Where would you start? Is it money and your family, money and charitable contributions, or business and personal wealth? This is Conversations with Money, featuring your hosts Franco Caliguri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our show is about real people talking about money. You will develop a better understanding about your Conversations with Money and also hopefully develop some new habits to make conversations about money easier.
2: Now, here is Franco and Marissa. Welcome, you're listening to Conversations with Money. I am your host, Franco Caligari,
3: And I'm your host, Marissa Zabalinski.
2: Our show is about tearing apart our beliefs that we have with money, our relationship that we have with money, and our interaction that we have with money, and how in our daily lives we, we feel about money, and, and how you make your decision around money. So welcome to the show, Marissa.
3: Thank you, Franco.
2: Make sure that uh, you're following us on social media and you can follow us on Twitter, and our Twitter handle is at Your Money Matters. There is no E in the matters, and uh, you can check us out on our website, and our website is www.capitalcorefinancial.com, or you can like us on Facebook, which is Capital Core Financial.
3: And we always encourage people to write in or call in. You can call us in during the show at 1 866 472. Five seven nine zero, And if you don't feel like getting quite personal just yet, you can always email us at info at capitalcorefinancial.com.
2: Now, Marissa, how was your week?
3: My week so far, it's Tuesday. My week so far is good. How about you? Sorry.
2: (laughs) uh, When I say week, I mean from last Tuesday to to, to, today.
3: Right. From last Tuesday until today, it was very good. It was very good.
2: Now, you spoke on Friday.
3: Spoke on Friday at a a women's conference. You're pretty excited about it. Yeah, it was pretty uh, it was a great experience. We got to chat about our money stories to an audience of about a hundred women and talked about we we went on stage with the story the So No Man Allowed? Well, there was a photographer that was male. I was actually kind of laughing when I saw him. Uh, so I don't know. One, one I, don't, I don't know what 100? the logistics would have been if somebody tried to come in as a man. Um, hmm. Yeah, it was a great room okay. of women. Anyways, we, we spoke about We went up on stage and cleared up right away. We're not here to present on uh, financial strategies or any you know creative technical strategies, but more so to look at the emotional meaning that we all place on money and talked about how we create limiting beliefs at a very young age, three, four, shared our own stories, mm. how, we've, how that played out later down the road, and then work through just looking at the different money stories and practical ways of evolving it. We built five practical steps and uh, discussed those. What and, were those five? What were the five?
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, it was a lot around owning your story, like looking at your story looking okay. at what your story is what is your first memory of money really getting comfortable with how you relate with money as as a child and how that right. plays out
2: We actually spoke about that in, in the very first episode Yeah,
3: we did. We did. So, looking at your story was the first one and then uh, committing to no more excuses. So, mm. we talked about all the excuses that we all play as to why we haven't evolved to these things until now?
2: Do we do we have excuses?
3: Yeah, just a, few, just a few, just a few, and we acted right? out. We, it was funny. It was Allie and I, and we acted out in a very playful way. The the ones that we hear all the time, you know, well, the economy sucks, and oh, real estate's crazy, and I lost my job, and all oh, my parents were good with money, my parents were bad with money. Mm-hmm. Money is, you know, you, all the ones we hear all the time, and we sort of made it, you know, we made it something that is relatable, I think, for a lot of people, and then. Uh, yeah, take responsibility, no more excuses, become friends with your finances.
2: Friends. Yes. <laughs> is that possible? Yeah. Are we allowed to become friends with our money?
3: Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's funny. We, we talked about it in the presentation. It's like money is something we deal with every day. It's something we relate with every day. And how many of us really walk around feeling like we're friends with our finances? So... You know, I say, and I get intimate with your money, and I got some funny faces. And I'm like, when I mean intimate, it's up close and personal, <laughs> understanding all the numbers coming in, all the numbers going out. and Talked about the importance of living within your means, and, and also talked about leveraging resources, which was the final step. And that, essentially, it left with a feeling of hoping to empower the audience, which I got a lot of good feedback on, mm. in that you don't have to go out and make more money. You don't have to go out and work in another day's pay to evolve where you're at. It's, you have an opportunity right now to shift your perspective and really take control of your finances by doing that. So
2: well, sounds. Uh, so that was like, the presentation. Right. I just
3: gave you the the, the lowdown.
2: Twenty minutes. Is that a little Down much? To, uh,
3: <laughs> you, no, I
2: think it's really good. Were you uh, just
3: five bullet points. <laughs> no, that's
2: fantastic. You know, I don't
3: bullet points. <laughs> well,
2: let me ask you this, and and if we were to take a look at uh, charitable giving, how about charitable giving? Is that important?
3: Of course, it's important. That's a big part of of our business, and that's a big part of. Once we get to the strategies, that's the second part. I mean, I'm talking about the emotional part that I just spoke on, but in regards to the strategies that we do implement, that's always a part that we speak on. It's giving people an opportunity to choose who they donate some money to rather than voluntarily donating to the government in taxes.
2: Well, I look forward to our conversation today. Yeah. Not that I have enjoyed our conversation so far.
3: And you know, too, sorry, I just have to throw this in, that giving has a physical, there's a, I read a study once about, I don't have all of the data in front of me, but there's an actual physical uh, reaction in our body and emotional reaction when we give. The experience of giving, it ignites a part of the brain and emotionally um, that I think is very important that we, mm-hmm. don't, we, we don't walk around doing. Well,
2: we have nothing. two guests today.
3: Yeah, we do. Do you want to say who they are? you you don't no i was going to let you talk cuz i just talked for 5 minutes
2: <laughs> but you you do well
3: you... I, I like talking apparently
2: Apper- well uh, out of the two hosts here <laughs> well, we i think li- uh, you you lead the way
3: <laughs> i actually had a if friend listen to the how i had michael, you speak michael my sister's husband actually listened to an episode and and actually documented how many minutes i spoke how many minutes you spoke and how many minutes i guess spoke and what was the ratio well i was i'm going to
2: guess 80 <clears> 20
3: <throat> i might have spoken the most
2: <laughs> is it 80 <80-20? laughs> 20
3: no it's, it's not 80 20 me and you? Yeah. I think Tony and Larry are feeling uncomfortable about this right now. <laughs>
2: just a little. <laughs> oh. I just broke all the rules.
3: I laughed and I clapped. And
2: <laughs> she claps. She dances. <laughs> I'm
3: not dancing. If everyone actually saw,
2: if this was filmed, this would be That's quite next. So who Tony are our guests? Hero.
3: Okay, our, t- our guests here today are okay, Tony. Remember,
2: speak in the, in the microphone. Thank
3: you, Franco. We have Tony and Larry with us today. Tony and Larry, welcome. Thank you.
2: Welcome. Welcome to the show, and um, uh, Marissa, do they have last names?
3: Yes, (laughs) thank you. Larry Amstutz is here from the Canadian Cancer Society, and Larry, do you want to just tell a quick little brief about, uh, a brief little intro to who you are and what your involvement with the Canadian Cancer Society is, rather than me just reading off your bio?
2: And and before you do, I actually just want to just just share with uh, the individuals that are listening, Uh, Tony and Larry, uh, we've known each other for about um, three, no, four years now. This is our fourth year. And when we first met, I actually met Larry first, and I was doing a presentation on, um, I went to Cambodia, and I'm part of an organization that uh, does some work in Cambodia, and you saw the presentation, and then from there, you approached me, and we had a coffee and developed a relationship that we have. And what I've learned from both of you is the, it's, and, and what strikes me every time is the passion that you have on educating people on the importance of, of giving. Giving is, is not included with people's estates or part of their plan in build, when they're building their plan. And so the work that you do, both of you do, is so important. That's why we asked you to be here today because I think it's an important discussion to have on why you should be looking at giving. If you are, great, how can you give more? But if you're not, why, how can you actually incorporate that uh, giving into part of your plan? So, so welcome again. And uh, Larry, yeah, if you don't mind just, uh, just uh, give us a little beef, uh, brief um, uh,
4: description of who you are and, and we'll jump over to you, Tony, after. Well, thank you very much for having us here. I, the best way I always like to start is with an understanding that everyone has a backstory. When we talk to people, we really are interested in listening and understanding where they're coming from. People have asked me many times how I got to work with the Canadian Cancer Society. I've been here for five years. For the past 20 years, I've been active in the financial advising world. And that was quite a transition. And I go back to my backstory and sharing that really gives some insight. And in part, why cancer, why the Cancer Society, why fundraising, why the not-for-profit world, why did I make that transition? And if, if that's okay, I think that's a good starting point because it comes back to the backstory. story. And really, we all have this motivation around giving. And 30 years ago, my younger brother Ron, at 25, got lymphoma and he came to Vancouver for surgery. And had his spleen removed, lymph nodes removed. And the doctors, the surgeons called my father and said, Ron has a half an hour. He's going to live or he will not live because of the post-operative trauma. And 30 years ago, that happened. And 30 years today, he just had his 56th birthday. So my inspiration comes in part from wanting to have other people have that experience versus the other experience I have where my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer 6 weeks later was gone at 65 years of age so we tap into our passions our backstories usually have a passion to them and I love sharing mine because I want to let other people know it's okay to tell their story so the world work I do now I I joke with my children that I go to work and I have coffee with people every day because it's so important to make that personal connection <coughs>
2: Larry, thank you for sharing. Uh, Tony, do you mind just uh, sharing uh, a little bit uh, of your background?
5: Sure. Um, so I'm Tony Andriol. I've been the director of the uh, Plan giving program at the Canadian Cancer Society now for about 12 years. And uh, that's kind of unheard of in the charity business to be in the same organization for so long. But uh, before that, uh, I spent 20 years uh, working for a corporate executor firm uh, here in Canada. It's called the Canada Trust Company. And... Um, the, uh, it was a very natural fit for me coming into this organization. I think I brought some skills to the to the table um, th- when it comes to the technical side of the charitable giving piece. Uh, knowing that uh, the the topic is can be sensitive and it's and it's something that uh, not everyone knows enough about. And that's uh, that's a role that uh, both uh, Larry and I play is to promote uh, charitable giving. Uh, you don't know what you don't know, so it's important to get out there and get that information. So we provide resources and and uh, all, of course, of course, complimentary not only to our donors, but to uh, to our listeners here today. So uh, that's that's why we're here, and, and uh, thank you for the opportunity.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Uh, we find it a privilege uh, to have both of you join us uh, as guests and, and to talk about what we feel is an important discussion to have. The show's called Conversations with Money. And with that charitable giving, we feel, as I said at the top of the show, that we feel that uh, is missing with that conversation. So if I can just uh, jump right in, just ask uh, some questions here. In the work that you do, what do you think is, is missing or, or what do you think the obstacles are for individuals or families to include charitable giving in, in their, their wealth build building strategies?
5: Um, well, um, I think one of the barriers is um, again just not knowing what's what's out there. Um, I can I can certainly give you some examples of uh, from my perspective. I we receive uh, gifts uh, from all over uh, British Columbia of donors who have left gifts in their wills, and uh, and sometimes it uh, is difficult to. Uh, to look at it and say that these people, uh, based on what what I see now, could have, if they had been had spent some time with a professional while they were living, could have lived tax free for a number of years, and uh, and not not being able to to get that information out to them is is a real shame. So we challenge and we work with uh, well established professionals in the industry to to meet with their donors and talk about. Uh, not only their financial side of things, but uh, giving—they're giving because many are volunteering and are, are providing a lot of um, uh, support to charities. And we will sure miss them when they're gone. So they need to—they need to know what they, what they need to do to uh, to provide that uh, uh, again living tax-free.
2: That sounds very attractive. Just you just saying that living tax-free seems to be quite attractive, but it sounds like there's a challenge to get people to to get to the table to actually explore that you know so if you say tax free i mean exactly. uh, you imagine that people would be jumping all over that
5: well it's a topic that i think everyone can can relate to because you're paying taxes as soon as you begin working so and there's a lot a lot of younger people also getting into uh, volunteering and and uh being involved with charities uh, but um yeah, one of the other cha- challenges, of course, is uh, just it's a sensitive topic. Um, and and you do need to not only speak to a professional, but you need to talk to your family as well, because that could cause some uh, uh, some dissension or uh, some question about, uh, you know, whether they don't want to do things. And, and procrastination is a big is a big piece uh, as well. Uh, Yeah. Speaking of procrastination, do
3: you find that, I mean, I've had a lot of experience uh, raising money for different charities where you go to... I somewhat stay away from younger people because I've had so much experience of them saying Um, I'm too young, or I'm not there yet, or come back to me when I'm older, which feels to me like a bit of a procrastination piece. But I think a lot of them, generally, it's missing information. It's not understanding how they can implement it into their plan now. And even if it's in a small way, uh, something that's sustainable, that could actually help them, let let alone be creating a gift to a charity. So do you guys, is that something that you experience often? Larry, you seem like you have a thought on that. (laughs)
4: My experience is really, I'm very encouraged actually by the activity that young people have. I can speak to Canadian statistics, not world statistics, but if you look statistically in Canada, 8 out of 10 Canadians give annually to $10 billion in a year, so that tells me people are very generous. If you break it down by age group young people give at the same frequency as all other age groups. And, that, and, and, and that's related as 15 years to 24 years, that youngest age category that they huh. report. The difference being isn't the heart, it isn't the intent, it's the capacity. Because when you're younger, you really don't have the same cash flow, you don't have the same wealth accumulation. What you might want to do, you can't actually achieve with the money. But I find it really inspiring and encouraging that Canadian youth... And young people have that same heart and that same interest. I say there's two key things that I believe. There's passions and belief I have. And I believe this to be true around the world. The fundamental truth, I believe, is that people will help others in need. No matter what the issue or the cause, I really, truly, fundamentally believe that people will help other people. And the second truth is I believe that people will do more if they could. So the beauty of the youth is that they will be engaged Their capacity will change over time, and if we can, again, as you said, get them interested now and have the right conversations and help them think ahead, they will find their way. And we, in a planned giving department, which Tony and I work in, one of those core planned gifts we have is people take life insurance policies out and donate them. And we find that a third of our life insurance policies are actually in people in their 30s, and we have quite a few that are in their 20s. So even at a younger age, they find their way with the right direction and guidance. So the biggest stumbling uh, point in my mind is the engagement and the, guidance, the guidance and find competent professionals who really are active in this area that can help guide them the right way. And that's where Tony and I do a lot of our work, working with people like yourselves to to add that specialist support and peace to the equation.
3: Thank you. That's actually... Uh it's quite surprising for me, I didn't realize that the numbers were that high amongst uh younger individuals in terms of donations i I guess because I have had some experience with people being younger, I just assumed that it was something that um younger people weren't involved with in terms of charitable giving, but maybe that was just my own my own filter i
2: we're going into a a break uh, very shortly here and what well, you just brought it up, Larry, and we can we can take another segment on. So I, I want to be able to continue on, and we'll discuss this after we go after we come back from a break. Now, if if um, if our listeners, uh, if anybody wants to uh, check out the work that you do, is there a website that people can go to?
5: Yes, they can. Uh, they can go to www.cancer.ca, and they'll uh, they'll see the, we'll have uh, some information on there on plan giving.
2: Can they also? Check out your bio. Now she get to see uh, what you look like or to, to get some information about uh, both of you.
5: Now they'll have to email you in and we can
2: certainly send them
3: <laughs> Tony Andreola and Larry Amsatz, thank you both for joining us. We're going on to a break, but we'll catch you on the other side.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: You are listening to Conversations with Money with Franco Caliguri and Marissa Sipolinsky. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at CapitalCoreFinancial.com. Now, back to Conversations with Money.
2: Welcome back. I'm your host, Franco Caligiuri.
3: And I'm your host, Marissa
2: Now, Before the break, uh, we asked... uh, for you to go to the Can Cancer Society uh, website uh, that Tony had provided. And hopefully you enjoyed the, the website there. Uh, but once again, can you, you mind providing that uh, website again?
5: Sure. It's www.cancer.ca.
2: Perfect. Thank you. Before the break, we were talking about or the discussion was on youth or individuals that were dominating. And Larry, you mentioned that you had found uh, individuals under the age of 35 if I, if I heard you correctly, we're actually getting life insurance policies to donate uh, or using as a tool to donate. That's very interesting because and there's actually two sides to that. As a nonprofit organization, you may not see that money maybe another 70 years. Uh, so there's that aspect to it. So I love your, your, your thought on that. But also for an individual to have that foresight and to be able to look that far ahead uh, I, I, that's actually quite encouraging, especially for the nonprofit uh, sector to really get a sense that these individuals are, are very open. But how about on the other side of the age spectrum, individuals that have more money, are they using these same type of tools? Or are they that receptive and open to, to actually be using these tools? I know there's a lot of questions mm-hmm. <laughs> within that
4: there there is a wide appeal to different forms of giving and different approaches to giving the motivation behind how they approach it is a little different so in other words younger people are very receptive to creating a life insurance gift and making a donation to a charitable organization or cause as is very you know, the elderly people in well into retirement in their 80s can still buy life insurance they may also have life insurance policies that they bought much younger and recognize now over time that they no longer have a need for that particular insurance policy. Their family needs have changed, their business needs have changed. And what a wonderful thing to do. Rather than having that policy sit in a drawer somewhere forgotten, they can actually make a donation of that and still get a charitable tax receipt. The young people, the beauty they have is on time. Their, their youth means that they can buy the insurance at a very very affordable rate so even though their cash flow is small it inspires them for that $25 a month which they can afford they might be able to create a gift that we extrapolate to their age 85 or a normal mortality age to be over hundred thousand dollars and to tell a 25 year old person that today by that action they're doing today they can actually create a hundred thousand dollar gift to do that that's where the brilliance of the life insurance works and usually their time commitment is 15 or 20 years to pay, and then they're, they're done with that because a type of structure to the policy is favorable to them so they can move on to some other charitable cause uh, later on. So if it's an older person, the structure is different, but the, the, the beauty of the insurance is still there.
3: Yeah, I think whatever the strategy is, whether it's by gifting someone's uh, insurance by by just a cash donation or time, you know, volunteering time when you don't have the financial resources or capacity to do something else, I think any of those strategies are great, and it's it's nice to hear, I think, uh, different strategies that are available, be it anything from the financial end of all numbers to our time. Do you find that that... uh, what have been the trends that you've seen for both of you? I know you've been, you know, 12 years and five years, but you've been in the financial industry for many years more. So is it something that you see, I mean, for myself, I think I've participated on a greater level for the past five years. So I'm choosing to see it a lot more because of my involvement. Um, But I remember when I first got into the industry uh, 12 years ago, there wasn't as much talk about about charitable donations and, and creative strategies to use it to, Offset, uh, offset taxes, etc. There, there's obviously the two driving components. One's offsetting taxes, and one is that innate nature we have to give. Uh, but it wasn't something that came up at most of my meetings. I don't know if that's because I was younger and I was not choosing to bring it up, or maybe I just didn't know about it. But is it something that you both have seen over the years come up more? Or
2: can okay, can I can I just add to what uh, Marissa is just yeah, go for it. talking about there. Uh. If we were to dig a little bit deeper, are you finding that there's a different attitude towards giving?
4: I guess personally from a fundamental basis, if I still believe passionately that people will help other people, I don't see a shift in this generation decades or centuries past. Mm -hmm. I think the human heart has that capacity and always has. I think it's bringing it forward and bringing it to the attention and getting people engaged and aware, because once they, they have that engagement or that awareness, then everything seems to move along over time. I spoke with a fellow who does a lot of philanthropic work in South Africa, very interesting gentleman, and he related a story to me which was I thought very fascinating. And I think it comes to the crux of this. He was talking about helping a small village in South Africa, and one of the problems they had was drinking water. And so they they came in to do some philanthropic work. And he asked the central person in the village one, one question. And he asked her, what is it that we can do for you and your village? And she related back to him, you've asked me the wrong question. And he said, what do you mean I've asked you the wrong question? What was the right question to ask you? And she relayed to him The question should have been, what's the first thing that you can do for me versus what can I do for you? Because it's easy in a philanthropic context without the support to say, I can do something and walk away and feel good about it. Putting drinking water in that village was one step. But then you walk away patting yourself on the back. You haven't maybe done as much as you could have. So the young people are... People who donate, no matter if it comes to your attention, Marissa, at one point in your life, and Franco, a different point, and Tony, if we can ask the right questions and we can make that engagement happen, everybody finds their way at that particular moment in their life. I have that belief system. And Tony has uh, daughters and I have sons, and, and they were proud of them because of their involvement in charitable giving. And it's not all about their donations, it's about what they do.
5: Yeah, I think uh, young people nowadays are, uh, in schools especially, uh, and you can probably relate to when we went to school, there was no volunteering. we That wasn't a component in our school. But now, um, in high school, it is a, a requirement to work with charities and to understand and to, to read uh, their annual reports and understand the differences. And, and so what what's happening is that they're taking that information back home with them and talking to their parents about uh, donations and and uh, be more active in the community. so that that does that has had a change and it's been a change in the culture shift.
2: I was having a conversation with an individual this morning just about this, and uh, we t- we just talked about the difference when we went to school. He was around the same. He's the same age um, bracket as me. And there was no pink shirt day, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. a focus on bullying it was survival uh, on your own and if you got picked on you had to take care of it yourself and with just what you just talked about both of you Larry and Tony talked about the you know the the the, the youth the younger ind- individuals that have this focus on giving because they're taught that do you see that changing or 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 fil- going, filtering up to the parents and having them change their perspective on giving because I'm going to be very open and honest here and share some personal (laughs) information but my the my dad his famous line is charity starts at home we take care of home first (laughs) before we go out it's interesting
3: because you even said i don't remember him saying that it's taught but you do have a firm belief that it sounds like and that makes sense now Mm -hmm. that i know that your dad said it is it was taught but for a lot of people it isn't taught
2: no and so you'd figure out on your own
3: but I think innate. I think we're designed in a way because we do have an actual physical. There is an experience for us when we give. Well, what happens
2: when you give? You feel good. 100%. I don't think anyone's ever said I feel bad giving.
3: A hundred percent. And I think I think also I think we're meant we we also live in a world where we're meant to interact in community. We're meant to have community involvement. I don't think we're designed to be each man for themselves. I know we're not, and so community involvement, even if it's just a matter of volunteering and being part of projects like, you know, you referenced the pink shirt day, or there's mo- there's something always going on. If you want to get involved in the community, there's always a way to give back without financially handing over. And you can still have that emotional effect and that amazing feeling when you give. So Larry, I'll let you answer now that I interrupted Franco. <laughs> well,
4: I'd love also Tony to jump in, uh, in the respect of what she sees with her kids. But you prompted us a thought. You, you talked about your father, and I do a lot of public speaking and presentations about philanthropy and charitable giving. I uh, usually do a conversation around the Peter Principle, and my father's name was Peter, and and so we maybe aren't taught directly, but we observe. And what I observed and what I talk about is a story that if my if you, any of you have met my father at some point in your life and said Peter, I'm having a little trouble. You lend me some money, my dad would reach in his pocket and give you $20 with no expectation of getting the money back. Mm-hmm. If you gave it back, cool, but it was no expectation. And my dad didn't have a lot of money. I have four brothers and sisters, we were, I guess now I think back, probably typified as a poorer family, yet he would still do that. So I look back as an adult, looking back, and I realize really what that meant. And I'm really proud of him and my mother. Uh, in, in the way that they approached helping other people. So it may be not directly taught, but we certainly should model because we do observe as, as children and young people and we can make a difference that way.
5: Yes, I, I would echo that. Modeling is, it is uh, important. I think uh, you're always being watched, uh, whether it's your children or just just anyone that we interact with. The uh, volunteering, again, is does not have to be, um, you know, uh, financially you can certainly uh, volunteer in any other capacity I think as, as young people go into the work world they want more interaction with the charity that they've uh, grown to love over the few years so there's there's also a change there in in being uh, using their skill set to uh, support the charity whether it's helping them with their uh, websites or or other other ways um, but it's not too late to uh, to to get involved. Uh, I would suggest first step would be to to really visit the, uh, with a charity. Uh, they would love to uh, to tour you through their facilities, uh, get you to meet some of their staff, and uh, if you can't meet them, give them a call. I think uh, what sets charities apart is how quickly they can get back to you and and give you that personal feel good experience. And then if and then of course the website. Uh, you need to know a little bit more about. Uh, you know, uh, the, what they do and, and uh, how they do support the uh, the community at large.
2: And I'm going to ask you a question that um, you've probably been asked a million times, but I think it's it's important because I, this, it, it dominates the papers and the media. They focus on uh, costs. the good
3: old admin fees. Is that yeah, what you're headed? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh,
2: well, I, I think the, the uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a an important... You should
3: attach the Dan Pelota TED Talk mm. to... The bottom of this one. That well, shift it a lot for me.
2: I, 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 abs- absolutely. Abs- and, and if you could just maybe provide that uh, link, that, that link um, a little bit later on. But I think it's because it's, of focus, especially with social media, it, it, it comes out and it's something that it, we can't uh, avoid. But as a, as a for profit myself that, that runs a, a for profit business, the bottom line: If we want talent, if you want to, to have production or, or producers, you need to pay for that. And I think even within the nonprofit sector, to have good talent and good people, just like with politics, I'm a believer of. Uh, again, I may be land based for this, but you know, to, to have good quality people in politics, you have to pay. And I'm not one of reducing salaries; I'm one of of increasing, so it attracts higher talent. But I'm, I'll, I'll let uh, I'll let both you uh, just share your thoughts.
4: People want your whole program and show is around money and and, uh, conversations around money. So this certainly is a conversation that does come up from time to time. I think what I'd encourage people is to come into this conversation with an open mind because it's not an apples to apples conversation. And I'll give you an example of what I mean. If you look at a a fundraising uh, organization who relies on events. They have runs, they have walks, they have gala events. There's a different cost to operate and run those kinds of events to raise money. And so your cost to raise a dollar, a cost would be uh, maybe considerably higher than another organization. Are they wrong in doing that? I don't necessarily believe so because people also in giving, it's about experience for some people and involvement and to walk with another group or to be participating is really important, and you wouldn't get them as donors without that. So, so you have to put things into context, and you don't often get context in the media because you get someone climbing onto a box, exclaiming, and shaking their fist. Now, if you if you have a, an awareness, the planned giving that we do, and I really want Tony to really expand on on the other kinds of gifts which we see a lot of, which is through wills and estates. But anything that's a planned gift is substantially lower in cost. There's no event to run. We engage with people a, from a conversation to determine they have an interest to do insurance or do a gift in a will, and the cost to raise a dollar is substantially different. And in our organization, that the, the money from, we raise from the plan giving department is a substantial port of the overall revenue, so it does help. But I really, really would think apples to apples, go and have a conversation with the charitable organization you're interested in, see if they're transparent, and hopefully they are, and, and we, I know that we are, we put our, our information on our websites and and don't be afraid of the conversation and because we're not
5: yeah exactly. Okay, Tony you mm-hmm. got
4: uh, three minutes <laughs>
5: yes. Well, pro- probably two, two. Mm-hmm. no I I again I echo what Larry's just said uh, you you need to do a little bit of uh, research um, knowing that uh, each of the charities they, they do not report the same way there is no requirement um, that we can all determine uh, you know who's who's better at, at whatever but uh, uh, so you need to need to do a little bit of research and ask them. They will certainly provide you the information that you need to make that informed decision, whether you want to, uh, you know, what what impact are they making in the world? And, and that's very difficult to put into a financial report.
4: And, yeah. and Franco, we find that when people do come and ask us that question, I would su- suggest that nine out of 10 are satisfied very quickly because they have the conversation, they get a different perspective and they walk away and they still donate and they still are actively engaged. Because it's just that reassurance and that conversation. And I would suspect that's true probably for almost all the charitable organizations. If they, As Tony said, they take the time to reach out and, and, and ask for themselves. Well, and, and just add to that what you just said there,
2: Larry and me. When you are discussing a plan or even looking at an individual, looking at their own will or their planning needs... I can't imagine it's a half an hour decision. It's probably six months to a year. In some cases, it, it could be years. But without both of you there, that can't happen. But you still need to have live. <laughs> and the role that you play is an important one. And I think that people tend to forget that, that you need to have top quality individuals that actually can support that and be there for, for, for people to be able to have that outlet, to be able to have that discussion. Now, this shows on giving. You have a gift for people. Can you explain what that gift is?
5: We do. I have a, a book on philanthropy, and it's called The Orchard. And I would love to, uh, it, it would, uh, not about the society, but it's about all charities, just how, the different ways of giving. So if you'd like a copy, happy to, uh, to send one out to you. Please email uh, info at uh, capitalcorefinancial.com.
3: Capital Capital
2: Thank you, uh, Tony.
3: Going on to a break here, but we'll see you on the other side.
1: Listening to Conversations with Money with Franco Caliguri and Marissa Sipolinski. To reach our show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to info at CapitalCoreFinancial.com. Now, back to Conversations
2: with Money. Welcome back. Uh, before we went into a break, Tony shared uh, and Larry shared that uh, they had a gift for for anybody that was interested. Uh, what was the book uh, called again?
5: The book is called The Orchard, and I did forget to mention that... Uh, uh, Franco graciously covered the costs for this uh, for this book so I'm actually to get it out to as many people as I can so please make sure that you uh, email and uh, Melissa uh, Marissa if you can give me that at info at capitalcorefinancial.com
2: and just to add that it's actually Marissa and I that uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's going to hit me
3: <laughs> so I, I, I only sure. hit you on the brakes it was once <laughs> today <laughs> maybe if you I'm have in the other episodes no. <laughs> <laughs> Hit you while we're So just continue on charitable okay. giving. Charitable giving. Giving. Yes.
2: Being nice to each other.
3: Yes, very nice. And loving. And the good feelings that come from that.
2: Of course. Well, and, and <laughs> actually I, I want to <laughs> end the show just really looking at the effects that giving does have. I've I've read studies, white papers that have been conducted and done on how giving actually can increase an individual's wealth. Our families, some of the wealthiest families around the world, have been able to continue to successfully increase their wealth through through giving, and that's great, and we can have a whole show just on that, but I think there's also the other side of what giving can do uh, for an individual when you actually let go of attachments that we have, because money is just well,
3: mm-hmm.
2: money can, can either build or it can destroy, it can do such incredible, pow- powerful things. Do you mind if we uh, have a discussion around that? Sure. Mm-hmm. Mercy, you're leaning over. you want to say something?
3: <laughs> I always uh, want I, to say something. I'm
2: just surprised you didn't say anything. I, want, I almost
3: cut you off. Done, but I, I took the feedback oh, oh, that I, I cut see. you off too many times. So I was waiting <laughs> for you to be done. Uh, no, I wanted to add, I think it was an important point that Larry, uh, you brought up, which was the different ways of getting involved, which isn't just always financial. It's volunteering. And I know, Tony, you said going to uh, the different charities, taking a walk around, getting involved on a, on a greater level, on a deeper level, really understand what you're participating in whether it be by financial or your time. And I think I read some studies about the effects, those effects, those amazing feelings, that high that we get from giving is a, we experience on a greater level when we have also that involvement. Don't just write the check. So writing the check creates one uh, positive effect for sure in terms of our you know, feel-good moment. And and they say that it actually even protects you against depression. There, there's a feel-good that, that really expands throughout us. But getting involved and, and really uh, participating and having that connection is a whole other piece that I think is very important, which enhances that feeling and it prolongs it. They say it's as far as you can expect to live better, healthier, longer, that, just from that experience. So thank you for bringing that up because I think that's an important point. A lot of people think I'm not financially capable to give, so I can't give, but I think that's a limiting belief. Now I'll let you talk. <laughs>
4: <laughs> now where, where to go from that I, I guess that it's the experience is personal and the experience is different for everyone what I gain or get from giving is going to be different from someone else and maybe it's a pride of a father who sees his kids doing something that he's proud of them that they've picked up on that and are doing that so it could be a pride um it could be a cell, you know, satisfaction knowing that. Going back to my younger brother, when he I, I talked to him about two years ago, almost thirty years since his surgery and, and his survival, and asked him what was important to him, around res, you know research and and doing things, and he said it was the, the reason he donates is because he survived, but he also doesn't want people to have the same experience he did. Mm-hmm. So his satisfaction, his value in giving, isn't necessarily the money, but he said if you can have less invasive surgery than I had, if you can have less side effects from the the drugs they gave me to fight the chemo, uh, nausea, I'm going to make a different quality of life for somebody else. And 30 years later, that experience is much better for people. So his level level of satisfaction is different based on his desire or interest or intent. And so I look at my children with pride. He looks at this world as saying somebody else was going to have a better experience, not just survive, but have a different experience. So it's, it's such a personal, unique thing, but it's certainly well beyond the money because people motive, are motivated not for the tax purposes, they're really motivated on a personal level to make an impact in their communities.
5: And we meet people every day, and... Uh uh, one of the donors that that stays stays in my heart and in and, uh, and in my memory is one that I met uh, a few years back when her husband had uh, was diagnosed with cancer and and uh, she found it very difficult to talk to anyone not to her family so her and I would have these conversations and over the years we got to know each other a bit better and and until uh, she was diagnosed herself she uh, she had a very uh, difficult time it was a lung cancer diagnosis that uh, that really took her by surprise. And uh, it was just before Christmas. She called me up and said, uh, "You know, there's really no hope for me, but I'd like you to come pick up a check so that others don't have to go through what I'm going through." So we stayed friends until her uh, passing a couple of months later, and uh, I was there to hold her hand, and it was it was difficult. But those are the kind of uh, relationships that we build over time, and that's some of the things, so that's some of the reasons that I love my job so much because there, we do get to interact with some wonderfully
2: generous people. Yeah, those are very touching stories, and I'm sure that you can probably share hundreds more, which would take just another couple episodes just to go through that. And I think that each one, each story warrants that. And I think that, and I'm sure that you probably have documented those and and um, honored those individuals that uh, have shared and provided the resources. We work hard all, all our life. We put money aside, and we build wealth, whatever that may mean for each of us. But the impact that we can make with each other, Mercy, you talked about community. You talked about how we can impact each other. And in a very large city, it's very easy to think of just ourselves and just provide for ourselves without really looking at the the greater community. What else can we we be doing. Who else can we be touching? Because we're all interconnected in some way. Mm-hmm. To live in isolation, I think we'd be living in a in a bubble. To think that we live in isolation, but we impact each other on a daily basis. So, how can we, if you were to provide some some tips or some some ways that people can increase their giving, you through time or through money? What what are some of the things that uh, you would
4: that you can share? I commonly say there's, there's, there's a top three ways to give and that the number one way to give to me is always the same and it sounds maybe a little trite, fits in exactly with the work that you do is that the number one way to give is to create a plan, to have a thought out strategy because it does a number of things. If, if your focus is on tax you're going to keep the receipts and it's going to be well, more, well thought out. You're going to structure your gifts to mitigate estate taxes or t- taxes today but what it also does is helps you focus and I have given if I look at my tax receipts I've donated to more than a half a dozen different charitable causes this year myself but if I can be focused on what my primary interest and in heart is where that is that's going and I strategize and I structure gifts around impacting that the most I'm going to feel better about it because then I'm really feeling to make a, a different level of a contribution and, and that focus I think is important and that comes from the right questions having the right conversations, and getting some insight from specialists and support. So that's the tip I would give everybody. Create a plan. You're, you're always more successful in life if you have a plan for your retirement, if you have a plan for your building your education for your kids. It's the same with charitable giving, and there's a gap, but certainly that's where I would recommend as a starting point.
5: You can also, when you get those telephone calls at 8 o'clock at night, uh, ask, for donations, you can also say, I already have a charitable plan. So that's uh, that's a good way to go as well.
2: Um, yeah, you mentioned three, so that's one. What would the other two be? Sorry, Larry, you looked
4: at me. I do now, listen. Now <laughs> I know, I was like, I wrote down one. I was like,
3: wait, did I dream that he said three?
4: <laughs> now you're going to ask me to give away my secrets <laughs> yeah. to this audience. Mm-hmm. Really, the other two are always different because they're unique after you have the conversation around the first one. So the, the, the second best way for me to maximize my giving is going to be personal based on my age, my, my lifestyle, my income, the causes I'm interested in, and number three as well. So we usually ask people, focus on what's your, your primary charitable focus? A simple question, if you could only give to one charitable cause this year, what would that be? And take your instantaneous response, that's usually where your heart is. And then if you could give to sec cause, what would that be? And then focus on your primary and your secondary causes. The third component is your flexibility. I mean, if there's a tsunami somewhere, or if someone's in need, you want to still reach into your pocket and help them out, people want to do that. That becomes a flexible part of this plan. But I think the, the, the first way is simply create the plan. The second two ways will become apparent whether it's a gift in your will, whether it's a gift of your securities, whether it's insurance, whatever the, whatever the vehicle is, it won't matter. But they'll be individual and specific to you based on that conversation around the plan.
2: How important is it to, because on our show, we do talk about having a team, developing a team. How important is it that an individual lets their lawyer know, the accountant know, the mortgage broker, the real estate agent, and I can go on and on and on. How important is it to have each professional that's supporting you on this to be on that on your side?
4: I believe that in the world we always do better with putting more heads together than trying to figure out the world on my own and so we always work in a team environment. Also we understand that donors are consumers or Canadians or individuals just like everyone else and we can't know everything. We rely on specialist support whether it's through a doctor through our mechanic or whether it's a tech specialist. So in this instance, we reach out and we recommend that they do interact with lawyers to have wills prepared, and we do interact with financial people to, to see that big picture, to see where their surplus might be and where that gift may come from. So it's it's. I, I just would suggest that if you're talking with professionals, that's a really great understanding how. Broad their reaches and how willing and able they are to have a network that supports them, because chances are you're going to get a different level of advice.
2: Absolutely, because when you have a team approach, the <laughs> you have more thoughts uh, that are going into your wishes and and your plan. So with with letting them know what can they do to bring everybody together, because the uh, my experience has been that everybody does their own own work. Uh, an accountant will do their own own thing, or the lawyer will do their own thing, or the banker will do, will do their own thing. But there isn't that collaborative approach. Now we the the end of the show is approaching very quickly, and and am uh, yeah, only going to give you a minute each to, to kind of <laughs> answer that. But uh, um, should somebody, if they if, if they're gaining resistance, should they move on? Should they find somebody and, and keep keep moving forward until they find somebody that um, will help them with that?
5: Well, that's that's why that's what our role is all about. Um, I think you should be able to find in any charity that you're that you're involved with um, that you uh, that you're inspired by their work. Uh, there are people like us, uh, plan giving specialists, that can that really do bring these people together. Uh, most times, these charities are these, charities, these donors are actually they feel comfortable uh, uh, talking to us about their entire situation. Because uh, sometimes you wouldn't talk to a lawyer about your tax situation, or a uh, tax accountant about uh, you know or you're worried about uh, family members. So there's uh, that that opportunity to talk to us.
3: Yeah, I think I think the most important thing, and uh, that Franco and I always come back to in terms of looking at your any financial decisions, whether it's buying a home, making a charitable donation, um, selling a home. All of those pieces, it's important that somebody is quarterbacking the financial decisions. And I think that there's a team and there's strength in a team. And I 100% back you up on that, Larry, that we're stronger and we've got more heads and more eyes looking at something in terms of – and the strength comes from that. However, somebody needs to quarterback it. And I think as either financial advisors or accountants, we work closely together to make sure that that's done properly, which is a good point that that you brought up. I think – I think in in terms of wrapping up, what I wanted to kind of just mention is there is a learned – it is taught very much, I think, in, in what, Franco, you shared with your father and, and learning at a very young age. But I think that we can learn it as we get older. So going back to, you know, leveraging resources and meeting with an advisor or a specialist, take the opportunity to get some information because the effects that research shows that giving has on us are huge. It, it, it's proven to fight against depression. It's proven to give us a high and, and help us create a healthier, longer, better life overall. And, and the effects of community involvement just promotes social connection and, and so much in terms of our experience of gratitude and empathy. So I encourage anybody, wherever you're at, if, if it's just a matter of being able to donate an hour of your time, get involved, find something you're passionate about, and, and build the aspect of giving into your life.
2: Thank you, Marissa. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Tony, for joining us today. I found this to, to be a enjoyable conversation myself. And we hope that uh, everyone that's listening in uh, also enjoyed uh, li- tuning in. And thank you very much for for listening in. And we look forward to seeing you next week. So have a
3: wealthy have week. A wealthy week. <laughs>
1: Thank you for tuning in this week. Please join Franco Caliguri and Marissa Sipolinski again for another edition of Conversations with Money next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wealthy week.